We're going to be today Psalm 23 again, and, uh, and I pray. It's, it, it, I feel so bad because it got so disconnected between getting sick, and then last week we tried to do it from home, and there were some technical problems, so we're going to fly it through today, Psalm 23, and really I had this originally planned for a three-part series. Uh, we did part one without any obstacle. Part two got messed up. So today I'm going to try and do part two and part three together. We'll try and get that through. But Psalm 23, as most of you already know the psalm, right? I'm just going to read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down on green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I said, uh, I think when we did part one, I had said to you, Psalm 23 in the Old Testament could be equivalent to the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament. Doesn't matter whoever you met, meet, uh, that had any familiarity with uh, Christianity, they'll tell you, oh, I know the Lord's Prayer, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, Psalm 23 in the Old Testament is probably the most famous passage of scripture that most people can do it's not uncommon if you go to a funeral you get a prayer card on the prayer card is psalm 23 as a matter of fact i'm pretty sure yeah here's a prayer card from my dad on the back is psalm 23 so um and it has often been associated with a psalm of death the psalmist is getting ready to die and it's been used as a time of comfort in times of death. I can tell you personally that I have used Psalm 23 in my life. And when I say use, I mean I pray it, right? That I have prayed it in real tough times. I can remember praying it in the back of an ambulance when I didn't know. I said, this is it. This could be my great getting up day, right? I'm getting up and getting ready to go up to see the Lord. For me personally, it is a great psalm of comfort. A great psalm of peace. I shared with you when we looked at the first three verses that it begins with, with no ambiguity at all. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. Yahweh, the covenant name of God. Yahweh Roi, the God that shepherds us. The Lord is my shepherd. I love that. Shoot it out of the cannon right away. Boom. Who is my shepherd? It is the Lord. Who's the author of this? This is David, the warrior king. David who slew Goliath. David whose life really never found peace. He was always battling, battling, battling at war. But David was a shepherd boy. And he was familiar with the life of the shepherd. And so in his moment of peace, in his moment of contemplation, he comes right out and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Did, did you ever notice that Psalm 23 follows Psalm 22? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The prophecy of Christ on the cross. 
and in God's infinite wisdom, under the anointing and under the unction of the Holy Spirit, Psalm 23 is placed in there. After the Lord suffers, after the Lord bears the sin of all who would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then out of the psalm comes, the Lord is my shepherd. And what great solace and comfort can we take from that? Stop a minute. I want you to stop a minute. If you have your Bible open, if, you, if you're writing in your Bible, I want you to circle the Lord. Yahweh, the covenant name of God. And who is He is none other than my shepherd. Which means that we are what? His sheep. And he doesn't stop there. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And because the Lord is my shepherd, guess what? I shall not want. I shall be in need of nothing. Why am I in need of nothing? Because the covenant God is the one who who watches over me, is the one who protects me, and as we're going to see, will guide me, will lead me, will bring me into, into fertile pastures, will lead me beside still waters, but I'm not there on my own. It is the covenant God, and because I am a follower of the covenant God, because I am rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, guess what? I shall know no want. Now, our society has oriented us and trained us never to be satisfied. You want to see the proof of that? Just put on the TV and listen to commercials every 16 minutes. You ever notice something with commercials too? Do you know that the volume of a commercial is louder than the volume of the show? So as you, that, that is being done deliberately, right? So that even if you're distracted, you walk away, you hear the commercial. We live in a materialistic, a very, a, a very coveting type of society. And consequently, our society is constantly preaching that we need newer, bigger, better, faster, techier stuff than before. How many of you remember flip phones? I remember I had a Motorola flip phone that fit in the palm of my hand. Now I got a big hand but it still fit in the palm of my hand. You put it in your pocket, it wasn't like that, right? I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I started using cell phones in business when they were bag phones. And you used to carry a big bag in the car and put the antenna on a suction cup outside the window, right? And then, you know, you, you, it was like it was one of those World War II walkie-talkies, you know, Hi, Barbara. And, you know, I'd call up the home. Wait, I'm going to. I remember that. Motorola came out with this tiny, tiny flip phone. I fell in love with that thing. How many people have flip phones? We needed better. I remember when they first started putting a camera in the cell phones. I go, this is so stupid. What do I need a camera and a cell phone for? Now, if you got a cell phone without a camera, it wouldn't be a cell phone, right? Matter of fact, they're not cell phones anymore. What are they? Smartphones. It's funny, I grew up in the IT business, 
And I used to manage data centers. One data center I managed was uh, 50,000 square feet full of computer equipment. I have more computing power in my cell phone today than I had in all of that 50,000 square feet. But the great deceiver, our enemy, is always telling us what we lack, what we don't have, what someone else has. And I want that. I want that car. I want that new kitchen. I want this. I want that. I want everything else. He breeds in us discontentment. But the psalmist was very obvious and he was very overt. Hey, Yahweh is my shepherd. I'm I'm good. I'm in need of nothing. Now look at what Yahweh does to his sheep. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I like that, right? If I'm a sheep, it's a green pasture. That means it's grazing time. I can go out there and feed. He leads me beside still waters. There's that resting, that resting place. And for the believer, that's that resting place with the Holy Spirit beside the still waters of God. Notice what else he does. Notice it's all God, it's all God. He leads me. He makes me. Look at verse 3. He restores my soul. Oh, praise God for that. You ever feel there are times your soul gets beat up? When your soul is weary? You ever been there? When I can't go another, another five feet, I feel like I just can't take it anymore. My soul is Well, what does God do? He restores my soul and He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. So far, I haven't done anything but obeyed, listened, ate, followed, while the Lord is restoring my soul. While the Lord is is leading me in paths of righteousness. And who does he do it for? For his name's sake. For his glory. Last week we talked about verse 4, and I want to spend a little bit more time here because I think verse 4 is really rich. Yea, though I walk through the valley to shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. I don't know exactly where we lost the technology last week. In a way, I'm very thankful for the Lord that He's given me an opportunity to go over this today. Because I want this to be crystal clear. Charles Spurgeon, in his great commentary on the Psalms, The Treasury of David, speaks about this as one is preparing to enter death, as one is preparing to face death. Yes, though I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to fear no evil, and there is good application for that. But I'm going to share with you that that is not the sole application. And I want to tell you, notice a few things. The Father had led us into the green pasture 
He made me lie down beside in the green pasture. He led me beside the quiet water. He restored my soul. He guided me in the paths of righteousness. And he does this even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to circle I, and I want you to circle walk. It's very interesting, this this valley that we have to go through. Very, very interesting. It's the valley of the shadow of death. And it raises the question, who's in the valley? What's in the valley? You notice that the walk of the believer, the walk of the sheep, isn't just a simple, easy, grassy road. In The green pastures, he fed us upon himself. He fed us upon the word. He he led us beside the quiet waters in that intimacy with the Holy Spirit to enjoin himself with us, to get to know him. He restored my soul. He made my soul right. He led me in the paths of righteousness. For the Lord, my shepherd, built me up and he built me up for a purpose now. And that purpose that he built me up for is going to be the very thing that's going to enable me to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I want to call your attention. I have to walk through. You, if you're a believer in Christ, have to walk through. No one can do this for you. No one can do it through me. And as we enter that valley, that valley is dark. That valley is intimidating to the human soul. It is intimidating to the human being. You know what's in the valley? Some of the remembrances of past sins committed. Some of the imagery of past sins committed. What's in the valley is the voice, the voices that scream out to you. Look at who you are. You can never live a holy life. Who are you kidding? You're the one who's going to say that your sin is forgiven because of what Christ did. Look at who you are. Remember this. Remember that. Remember when you used to do these things. Remember when you used to do that things. And it's in the valley. It's in the valley that these These voices scream, scream to us and testify of our insufficiencies. Let me share something with you. We do and we are as human beings insufficient in and of ourselves. Matter of fact, if I had to walk through that valley without the Lord, it'd be all over. Without the Lord, you know what I would do? I would run back to my sin. Without the Lord, I would dwell upon that imagery and say, you're right, you're right, I am weak, I am feeble, I am a sinner without the Lord. Without the Lord, I would be crippled. My, I would be kneecapped. and Couldn't take another step as the dark voices taunt, as the dark demonic voices scream out. 
to the believer, you're nothing. You think you're born again. You're not born again. You're the same old filthy sinner that you ever were. Notice what it says here. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now I call your, I call your attention. I want, you, I want you to say two things. I want you to circle the word shadow. Because you're not walking through the valley of death. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. If we were in this room right now and a giant shadow of a lion appeared on the wall, I wouldn't have to fear because the shadow can't bite me. A shadow can't consume me. And yet as we walk through this valley with all of its intimidation, we have a steadying force we have a steadying one notice what he says when i walk through the valley i will fear no evil now when you first go through the darkness is intimidating and everything else until you steady yourself and how do you steady yourself for thou Art with me. Circle thou. Who is the thou? Well, verse 1. The Lord. Yahweh. Yahweh Roi. The Lord my shepherd. Yahweh Roi is with me. Yahweh Roi is my steadying force. Yahweh goes before me. Yahweh defends me. Yahweh clears my path. Remember he said he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake? Well, he does that also in the valley. Let, let me tell you something else. Yahweh knows the valley of the shadow of death. And because Yahweh knows the valley of the shadow of death, he knows the paths of righteousness for us to take. And so Yahweh goes before us. And because Yahweh is before us, I don't see myself alone. Because Yahweh is before us, even though it may be my first time, my second time in the valley. Because Yahweh is before us with my eyes fixed on Him. I have no need to fear. For Thou art with me. And when I look at Yahweh... Not only do I see him walking, around the path, walking down the right path, but Yahweh possesses a few things. Look what the psalmist said. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. 
Now, if you look at the Hebrew, that word yab, uh, rod, refers to a club. Kind of a baseball bat, if you would. But it was designed for the shepherd that as he was watching over his flock and as he was leading his flock, if a predatory animal came in, the shepherd would allow the predatory animal to come close before he swung at him with that club. And he delivered a death blow. So imagine this, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as the enemy attempts to encircle God's people, our Lord, the captain of our soul, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd who knows his sheep, as we saw in John chapter 10, he may allow that predator to come close enough but then we'll deliver the mortal blow. Paul says in Corinthians, no temptation is common to you, such is common to all men, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can stand, but with the temptation will provide a way out. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Thy rod is a source of comfort. That's not just the rod, is it? What else does the psalmist David say here? He says, thy rod and thy staff. And you know this staff. How many children's Christmas plays have you seen already where the shepherd has the big staff with the crook, right? Now that staff is also designed for multiple purposes, right? Number one, it is designed that if a predatory animal comes, you could poke at it, keeping distance, right, and keeping it away. But it is also used as the shepherd takes the crook and kind of pulls in some of those sheep that are stray. Or walking on the outside of it can tap the sheep back in line and keep them in there and keep them focused and working as a group. As a matter of fact, as I look at the shepherd, I see rod in hand, I see staff in hand, I see the shepherd taking the front position and leading the sheep through as he looks out for all of us. Now, I mentioned this to you last week, and I think this is very important. And this is really important. Where are the sheep? Where are the sheep with this? I want to tell you that the sheep are with the shepherd. And the sheep are going through the valley of the shadow of death with the shepherd. There isn't anybody in there who is solitary. There isn't anybody in there who is walking through this alone. As a matter of fact, I think a lot of well-meaning Christians get into a lot of trouble a lot of times because they want to leave the flock. And they think, oh, I know a shortcut, oh, I know a better way I can go, and somehow get lost within the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, it's a dreadful place to be alone. It's a dreadful place. We need the shepherd in the worst way possible. We need the shepherd for his protection. We need the shepherd for his navigational expertise. We need the shepherd to guide us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
We need the shepherd to hold our hands and to help us make it through because, listen, we're not just on some random walk here. If you read it in its entirety, we're heading somewhere. Somewhere very, very specific. The shepherd is leading us on this journey so that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's leading us to the reward. And the reward is indeed God himself. The reward is indeed paradise. This journey ends in the house of the Lord. This is a parallel. This is a metaphor for very life itself. And so as we walk through a valley, a valley that may be filled with many enemies, a valley that may be filled with a lot of intimidation, we walk with the Lord by our side. Let me share something with you. If you don't know the Lord, if you have never come to Christ in repentance and faith, if you have not fallen on your face and said, Father, forgive me for my sin, I am a wicked sinner and I entrust myself to the finished work of Christ on the cross. You'll never know this. You'll walk this sod alone. You will not have Yahweh going before you. You will not be with the good shepherd, which is why we preach time and time and time again Know that you know that you know that you know that you are indeed in Christ. There is no substitute. If you reject, the Bible tells us, how shall we escape if we neglect so good a salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect the only one who is able to save? And let me share something with it. It's not your religious deeds. It's not your good intentions. It is righteousness. God saves so that men and women would be righteousness. God saves so that men and women would be testimonies of the salvation work of Christ. And I encourage you to throw everything, all your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. So here we are in the valley. And now all of a sudden comes a twist. Look at verse 5. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. You ever stop here at this particular point in the psalm and say, wait a second. We're in the middle of the shadow, in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. And now you're putting out a banquet. Father, I'm not sure I get this. Wouldn't, wouldn't the banquet be befitting when we get to the house of the Lord? But I want you to look at this text. Thou, again it is thou, it is the Lord himself. Thou dost prepareth a table before me in the presence 
of mine enemies. Now, I want you to get the picture here. In the Eastern culture, in ancient Eastern culture, it was very, very common when you had a guest come and you welcomed that guest to prepare a big spread, a big banquet for him. That is the number one sign of welcoming. Come into my home. I am going to prepare for you. Now, I have said to you from the very beginning of this psalm in verses 1 through 3 that it is all God. It's all God, right? He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. What did we have to do? We had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We couldn't run. We couldn't fly. We couldn't drive a car through it. We have to walk through. And as we walk through, we fear no evil, not because we're, we're tough and we can take on anything that comes. We fear no evil because thou art with me. And your tools, the rod and the staff, your tools, O God, they find, I find comfort in them. But notice now, who prepares the table? Thou dost prepare a table before me. And this is comforting in one sense. Here we are, and our Lord would say, Stop. It's time for dinner. Give me a few minutes. As the Lord prepares himself for us. How can that be? He has guided us. He has led us. He has protected us. He has shepherded us. He has fellowshiped with us. He has built us up in the most holy faith. He has been our protector and our shield. And now he stops and he says, guess what? You are my welcome guests. And now I'm going to prepare a table before you. Now look, if that's not good enough, I want to call to your attention in verse 5 where he prepares that table. Before me, in the presence of my enemies. Oh, hallelujah. You, oh God, are going to prepare a table before me, but not only are you going to prepare a table, but now we're going to come and we're going to fellowship and we're going to dine and we're going to sup together. And Lord, you're doing it all within the sight, within the very presence of those who want to destroy me. And you know what the glory is in that? They can't. They can't. This is in some way, and maybe I'm out of line with this, and forgive me if I am, but in some way this is God taunting the enemy. Look at my sheep. Here they are. 
And guess what, enemy? You can't touch them. You can't do anything to them. They are mine. I am protecting them. I am leading them. I am feeding them. I am nurturing them. I am caring for them. These are mine. And now, we're going to enjoy, and all you can do is watch. You can't partake. You can't come take the food. You cannot come and enjoy the conversation. You can't have the fellowship. You can't have anything. We are coming here, and we are going to sup, and all you're going to do is watch, and your eyes are going to torment you of how great and how glorious and how righteous I am as Yahweh the shepherd. Every demon that ever taunted, every sin that ever beset you, every wish of evil that the enemy or whatever principality was assigned to you can do nothing as the Lord protects us in the very valley among the enemies. How great is our God! But you got to love the Lord. Because he's going to take it another step. Look at verse 5. Hey, enemies. Watch this. Thou anointeth my head with oil. Oh. Here we are. I'm anointing you as my kings and my priests. I'm anointing you with the beautiful, precious flow of the Holy Spirit. And I place it upon your head. And it pours down your head, down your beard across your chest, down to your feet, anointed with the Holy Spirit, sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're mine. You're mine. These are mine. These are anointed sheep. These are anointed brothers and sisters. These are anointed ones of God. What's the Bible say one day? I love Philippians chapter 2 of you. You haven't joined us on Tuesday night. We're starting a study in the book of Philippians. We're still in Philippians chapter 1. But when we get to Philippians chapter 2, as we read about Christ emptying himself and taking the form of a bondservant and be made humble in human form, becoming obedient even to death on the cross, the Word of God then goes on and says, Wherefore also God highly exalted Him. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow, every tongue shall confess. And even the enemies of God shall confess 
and even the enemies of God shall bow the knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All creation of all time, every created thing will rise up in a thundering chorus and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Adonai. Jesus Christ, to him be all the glory. Look here. With the anointing, we are partakers with Christ. Join heirs with Jesus. With the Son of God. And as He anoints Him, there's one other thing. His cup overflows. Again, going back Going back into the Eastern customs, when somebody would come into the house and you would pour them a glass of wine, a libation, it was customary that if the person was the loved person, you would take that cup and you would overflow it as a welcome. This is my my blessing to you saying that you are welcome in my presence. You are welcome in my home. And I'm going to pour you something. And, the, and what I'm going to pour you is going to overflow. And after all this preparing this feast, after all the anointing, he pours a cup. And the cup overflows with the welcome of God. Look at verse 6. He would say in verse 6 here, in light of these things, in light all the way from verse 1 through verse 5, in light of all these things, David would respond and say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The goodness, the mercy, the kindness, the loving kindness of the Lord is demonstrated in these six verses. Here we see, even though it was God that did everything for us, the response of David to God is not, ah, so what? Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm good with God. No. The response of David to what the Lord has done to him is surely goodness. He will never forsake me. He will never leave me. He will never depart from me. If I am in Christ, he will be with me. He is the one that sticketh closer than a brother. Surely goodness and mercy 
It's going to follow me all the days of my life, all the days of my life. David wasn't dead at that point. David hadn't expired at that point. David is saying no matter what, because Yahweh is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What else could there possibly be? Look at what he's done for me. All of the goodness, all of the mercy of the Lord. This is going to follow me all the days of my life. Let me ask you a question. Is that your heart? Do you believe that? Has the Lord led you in paths of righteousness? How the, has the Lord walked you through the valley of the shadow of, the, of death? Has the Lord prepared a table for you? Has he not been overflowing with goodness and grace? Have you been welcomed at the table of the Lord? I'm going to tell you something now. If you have, if, if you have, You'll never see Christ. You'll never see the Lord the same again. You know why so many people aren't moved by the gospel? You know why so many people aren't moved by the word of God? You know why so many people, oh, I go to church, but I get bored. You know know why so many people are like that? Because the word of God has not moved them. And maybe, just maybe, they don't see the Lord that way. How can we look at a God who has guided us, protected us, uh, uh, saved us, and yet continue to live in indifference to Him? Oh, church, we must be a, a people like this. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And here it comes. Here comes the clincher now, okay? What is the reward? What is the reward? What, how does this life culminate? How does this life end? Look at the second part of verse 6. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Who is the reward? It's God. What is the reward? It's the presence of God. What is the thing to look forward to that I am going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Forever. He's never going to let me go. He's led me all this way. He will not let me go. My reward is God Himself. My reward is the presence of God Himself. Why do we want so much other stuff? Why is it that people will not be content knowing God and finding our delight in His presence? What's the psalm today? In the presence of the Lord, there is what? Fullness of joy and at His right hand pleasures forevermore. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? The reward is God himself church 
everything that we do, everything that we focus on, all of the teaching of the Word of God, everything that we do is all about that we would come to the place that we would know God. And in knowing God, we find His presence. And in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jeremiah 17 verses 7 and 8 say this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when he comes. But its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in the year of drought nor cease to yield its fruit. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, as we come before you this day, Lord, I pray even at this moment you would quiet our hearts and quiet our soul. That, Father, Lord, that Christ would be exalted and lifted up. Father, may we know that truth, that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Teach us, Lord, that you are more than enough. Teach us, Lord, that although our past sins and the past lies may scream at us, Father, it cannot hinder us or hurt us. So, Father, Lord God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.